I want to share a funny story with you real quick about how this message come about. And when Pastor Jamie first asked me, will you preach a message? I said, yes. And pretty quickly, I was determined by my own will that I was going to preach a message on fear. And for the first two weeks, I studied everything I could about fear. I didn't know which direction to go on fear. I honestly believe that the reason I thought fear was because I needed to be able to learn fear for myself before I stood in front of this church to conquer my own fear. The problem I had was there was no message going on paper the more I studied fear and the more I studied fear and the more I studied fear. I came to a parenting seminar here at OSC because my name's Cole and I still need help being a parent. During the parenting seminar, John Reed was coming up the following Sunday and John looked at me and just straight up said, God has to preach his message to you first before you can preach a message to somebody else. And that hit pretty close to home. It was just sitting in the back of my head. I don't think I heard some of the stuff they were saying for the parenting seminar. But all of a sudden, I flipped over the piece of paper that they had given me, and I just started writing. And my wife asked me, what are you doing? I said, I'm writing my message. I don't know what I was writing at first, and I didn't understand what I was writing. But when I got home and I started reading over some of the stuff that just come to my, my mind, I realized pretty quickly what my message was going to be about. I also learned that it's not what I want to do, it's what God wants me to do. So in that moment, I had to, again, release me and let the Holy Spirit lead. So I'll give you all a backstory um, about me. I grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic schools from kindergarten almost all the way up to 12th grade. Um, and within the Catholic school that I went to, we had religion classes, of course. We went to mass as a grade level once a week. The whole school did a singing practice every Thursday. The whole school went to mass on Fridays during school. Then you went to mass, of course, with your parents on Saturdays or Sundays. So at some point in my life, my parents decided that I needed to be an altar boy too. So Cole became an altar boy. And... I spent a lot of time inside the church. I spent so much time because I didn't ever really call myself a bad kid, but my parents became really good friends with Monsignor over the, all the priests because Cole apparently needed to talk to somebody a lot about all the stuff he did. <laughs> the more I met with Monsignor, I spent a lot of time in confession. I said a lot of Hail Marys and a lot of Our Fathers. I became so close with Monsignor that Cole was handpicked to do all the funerals during the week, which, of course, I thought was awesome because I got out of school and I got Burger King every single time. I didn't understand death, especially because I was a child. I cried looking at a group of people that I have no clue who you are, but you're all crying, so I cried with you. All that time with Monsignor actually led me to more confessions. My whole point is, I spent a lot of time in the church learning about God. I knew who God was, but I wasn't actually connected to God. 
I had no true relationship with God. So the title of my message today is Stay Connected. And I want to talk about the different seasons in our life. Because the way we witness God, a lot of times, is based on the season that we're in. What we're going through could be good or it could be bad. That is how we're going to experience God. One of the, one of the hardest things to do as a Christian is to stay faithful. When we are on the mountaintop, we're in the good. It's easy for us to share God's word. It's easy for us to share the miracles that we've seen and witnessed. I know that if we all go down to the the Tobacco Plus, we all buy a lottery ticket, and every single one of us wins this morning, most of us would scream, thank you, Jesus. It's easy for us to share that story with people. It's easy for us to share the miracles that not only has God done in our life, but what we've witnessed him do in others. On the mountaintop, we find ourselves being thankful. We find ourselves being grateful. We can witness God in a whole different way than you can when you're in the lows. But I want to ask you this morning, are you connected to God? Are you truly connected? In John 15, 1, 4, Again, I want everybody to understand this real quick, too. I am nervous, so if you see underlined and bold, please uh, say it out loud with me, because the more you pump me up, the better I feel like I'm doing, and the faster we get to go eat lunch. So, John 15, 1, 4. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless... So we cannot produce fruit unless we are continuously remaining ourselves in God. And I want you to understand that when I say being connected to God. I mean hearing God's voice on a daily basis. The Bible gives us an instruction book of what it's like to hear God's voice. And at the beginning, you may not hear this loud, audible voice that you know for a fact is God. But we all know that God does not lie. We all know that God's will will fall in line with what the Bible says. We have to pray. We have to dive deep into his word. Understanding what God's telling us is one of the biggest things of being connected to God. Staying faithful and trusting that he has our back no matter what. So I want to look at two different aspects of our lives this morning. And I want to look at the goods and I want to look at the bads. And I'll just warn you now, the good is short, the bad is long. It's always easy and the good. So when we're on the mountaintop, things seem great. Like I said, it's easy for us to share everything about God. 
when things are good, we can be standing in the Walmart and we can share the glory of God with a complete stranger because we're on such a high. We get to witness that. Some other examples are maybe it's whenever you get a raise. You've been praying over financial blessings for a long time. Maybe you got a newborn baby and the very first night that it slept all the way through the night. Maybe you went to Lafayette and you went to the mall and you hit every single green light and there's no traffic on Ambassador Caffrey. Right? Maybe it's when the phone rings and the doctor says, we can't find any cancer in your body anymore. It's so easy to find God on the mountaintops when things are going great. You see, when we're standing on the mountaintop, we get to experience God. And we get to experience him in a very positive way, a thankful way, in a way that you'll never, ever experience him any other way. Connecting with God on the mountaintop is important. Walk with Jesus because you learn to be thankful. You learn to understand what God has helped you get through. He allows you to fully see the whole picture. But there's one thing I want you to be very careful of, and that's not to forget about God when you're on the mountaintop. You can't push him to the side just because things are grand. Things are perfect in the moment. He never disconnects himself from us just like we can never disconnect ourselves from him. But then there's the bad. So I want to spend a lot of time today on being stuck in the valley. And if you can picture a valley, a valley is a, it's a dark, scary place. When you're stuck in the valley, one of the biggest things you have to do now is you have to dig deeper than you've ever before. You have to seek God because it's our will and our job to do our part. We can't just say, okay, you got it, God. Get me out of it. I'm going to go do what I used to do. It doesn't work like that. We have to dig deeper into God's word. We might have to worship more. We might have to actually reach out to somebody and talk to somebody. Mm. So, I'm going to give you some examples of what it might be like to be in the valley. And it may be something simple like when things don't seem to go your way. Maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe something from your past has come back into the present. Maybe you're battling depression, unhappiness, loneliness. Maybe you just worry too much. You're in debt and you don't know how to get out of it. Or maybe you're stuck in addiction. Like I stated, it's very easy to get disconnected from God in the valley. It's easy for us to ask the questions, why me? Why am I in the valley? Why am I going through this, God? Why is my family going through this? Where are you, God? I need you. It's easy to feel disconnected, but that's a personal feeling that we can all choose to disconnect or we can stay faithful. One of the biggest questions that people do ask, though, is, is God in the valley? 
And even though the valley might be seem dark and scary, the answer is yes, God is in the valley. When I tell you he's never disconnected from you, he's never disconnected from you. Most of the time, though, the best growth you can have with God is in the valley. You see, when you're on the mountaintops, you get to enjoy God. But when you're in the valley, you get to experience God. And you don't know what it's like to experience God until you've been through some of the deepest, darkest moments of your life. Very important, I want everybody to understand this. When I say God never disconnects from us, God never leaves us. God is something that is internal. He physically dwells inside of each and every single one of us. When you feel scared, when you feel alone, you can actually feel God's presence inside of you when you seek it. So if you've ever read through Psalms, and especially Psalms 84, there's some passages in there that really speak truth about being stuck in a valley. So Psalms 84, 5 through 7, it says, What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. Now, Verse 6 talks about the valley of weeping, and the Bible translates the valley of weeping into different ways. It can be the valley of Baca, the valley of tears, the valley of loss, the valley of weeping. It can be the valley of depression. It could be the valley of job hunting. It could be the valley of COVID. Whatever it is, that's your valley. So in verse 6, we talk about the dark, scary, dangerous places of the valley. And again, I want you to picture this in your mind of a valley being a place so thick that you physically cannot see through the other end. You have no clue how you're getting through it. Where around every corner, there's somebody there ready to rob you of everything spiritually and physically. Anything that you've built your life upon, they're ready to take it from you. Wild animals like cats, because that's the devil's favorite animal. <laughs> Full of cats, just ready to tear your face off. We all associate the valley with a negative place. We associate the valley with the seasons that we've walked through in life. What each of us has our own story. We've all gone through valleys. Some of us went through valleys longer than others. Some of us went through them pretty quick. We can see that when we're in the valley, if we are connected to God, you will see the light at the end of the tunnel. You will see the bigger picture, and you will understand. Psalms 84.5 says, What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. Meaning, you can be happy as long as you have the strength of the Lord behind you. You can pull through anything as long as you have the strength of the Lord on your back. We should all believe that we have the strength that goes beyond physical strength, but a heavenly strength, and that's why it says, 
what joy for those who have strength in the Lord. So I want to share a story with you. When I was a kid, my dad had this probably 38 or 42 inch tube TV in his room. And for the younger generation, if you don't know what a tube TV is, all I can tell you is it weighed about 1,000 pounds. They were heavy. And I thought I was, you know, a man, so I'm going to help my dad move this TV. (laughs) We went to go move the TV out of the entertainment center, and as I start bearing my weight, and my dad's bearing his weight, my end starts to drop quickly. And I have my dad on the other end. Come on, pick it up. Let's go. Come on, Cole. It ain't coming up. It ain't happening. I'm starting to freak out. Not only am I going to drop this thing on my toes, my dad's going to be mad at me. I'm probably getting whipped. But he kept screaming. He kept cheering me on. I quickly realized I couldn't bear my own weight. So my dad had to take over and grab this TV by himself and move it. I trusted in that moment, though, that my dad had my back to help bear the weight that I couldn't carry. And I needed my dad in that situation, just like I need God in every situation of my life to help bear the weight that I can't carry. This should always be the same with God. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It could be the smallest thing from a common cold to the words cancer, to the words foreclosure. It doesn't matter. Nothing's too big. Nothing's too small for God to handle. Because when we've exhausted all of our physical strength, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. Verse 5 tells us that what joy is for those whose strength comes from the Lord. But what I want to show you is what it doesn't tell you. It doesn't tell you what joy for those who say, I don't need any help. It doesn't say what joy is for those who drank their way through the valley. It doesn't say what joy is for those who are independent. And it doesn't say what joy for those who don't trust people. As a church, we have to trust people. In order to grow, we have to have our spiritual mother and father, our spiritual brothers and sisters, and our spiritual sons and daughters. Each person is there in our life for a reason. They're all part of our growth. When you really need help, you go to your mother and father. When your friends need help, they're coming to their brother and sister. They're seeking you. And sometimes you need to teach the younger generation about God so we can continue to move it forward. Because there's no way we can change our community, our nation, until we start being the word of God. When we are created by God to depend on him and others. And I want to make this clear. We don't just trust everybody. Each and every single one of us should have a core group of friends that we know for a fact we can trust. That no matter what we bring up to them, they have our back. That when you, when you are struggling, they're there to lift you up. 
They're connected to God to make sure that you stay connected to God, just like you need to do the same for other people. We can't walk through this world using the worldly views. It'll get you nowhere. We have to be the ones to change the world. So I want to come back to the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, where in verse 5 it says, What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And what does a pilgrimage to Jerusalem mean? It's a great question. Thank you for asking. So in the Bible, there was a couple of cities that were known as the city of refuge. And uh, we'll call it the city of peace. But in order to get to those cities, you had to travel through some pretty bad places. So where verse 6 tells us that you can head to this, the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, what it's telling you is, is even though you're going to travel through a journey, here's the light at the end of the tunnel. You are headed to the city of refuge. In order to get to the city of refuge, you have to go through the valley of weeping, the valley of loss, the valley of tears, whatever you want to call it. You have to travel through it. In order for you to be able to share God's word, as humans, we relate to stories. I share my stories with you in hopes that that's how I can relate to each and every single one of you. For a long time, I battled different addictions. I battled fear, anxiety, depression, you name it. I went through a lot of valleys. I may not have been the best father in the world. I may not have been the best husband. I may not have been the best employee. But it made me who I am today. Not once in my life did I ever think that I would be standing in front of our Savior's church in Eunice preaching a message. Never. The good news. God never promised that you would never walk through a valley. He did promise so that you would never walk through a valley alone. But it's up to us, like I said, to stay connected to God, that no matter if you're in the valley or you're on the mountaintop, to stay connected. So I have some examples, and these are questions that I used to ask myself, more or less. If you feel weak right now, who is God in the middle of your weakness? And our God is our strength. When you're in the darkness, who is God? Our God is the light in the darkness. When you're in a season of trouble, who is God? He is the joy in the trouble. When you're in the middle of pain, who is God? And your God is the comforter in the middle of your pain. That is who our God is. There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 3.16 that Paul is giving because in the, in the moment, different people are associating themselves based on who they're following. And it says, do you realize that all of you together are in the temple of God and that the spirit of God 
lives in you. It's easy for us to say, oh, that makes sense. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. It's easy for us to believe when we're on the mountaintop that God is filled in our heart. But see, Paul's not just telling you God is with you. Paul is telling you that God physically dwells inside of each and every single one of us. So, when we take family trips, my wife's not in this, uh, she was in first service, so I'll be honest with y'all, she is the worst co-pilot ever. Okay? I told her first service she was the best. She watches that windshield she knows when somebody's about to swerve before they even know they're about to swerve. She's watching my speed limit. She's making sure I'm not allowed to text, email, talk to text, look at what time it is. No Netflix, no Amazon. I can't do nothing. She's very, very protective, especially when we're traveling. But she also knows that we have precious cargo in the car. And as parents, we should all be very protective of our children. We don't take them to places we know will expose them to something that they don't need to be exposed to. We don't stop at certain gas stations just because it looks sketchy. It does not look safe. Let's, I'll drive 10 minutes out of my way then. It's hard to protect your children sometimes, but it's our duty and it's our job. But see, the same goes with God because when we're connected to God, we are carrying the, pre the precious cargo inside of us. Everywhere we go, everything we do, everything we speak, God should be in the midst of everything that you do. In order to spread the word of God, you have to have him in every aspect of your life. And he is very precious. It's not something that we just shrug off as whatever. Just like the way we make choices because of our children are in the car, we have to live our daily lives because God lives inside of us. I'm going to tell you all right off the bat that I'm about to raise my hand, but I want to ask you all an honest question. Have you ever sat in church and looked at somebody that just looks like they've got the most amazing relationship with God, and you wish you had that kind of relationship with God. What's crazy is most of us never saw the valley that they walked through. Most of us never saw them on their knees crying out to God at night, God, help me. Why me? Please, God, help me. We don't see that. We don't hear that. The one thing we get to witness, though, is them on a Sunday morning standing in front of the entire church with that amazing relationship, thanking God while they're on the mountaintop after the valley they just went through. So are you truly connected to God right now? All of us can experience that feeling of God's love. All of us can sit and witness to people about what God's love feels like. But that's our choice and our obligation. 
when we are connected to God and we pass through the valleys, we do not fear because God is with us. In 2015, I decided that I was going to get saved and baptized in a small church in Ohio. It was actually an apostolic church, which was really new to me, but they were very accepting of me. And I remember one day, I fully got to witness God's presence inside of me. I got to fully witness God working deep in my heart. Never in my life had I witnessed anything like this. And it was, the only way I can explain it, it's kind of like an out-of-body experience because you've never felt anything like it. But I remember I was on my knees just crying. I, I didn't know what else to do. I was at my wit's end. I had done hit rock bottom. And as I prayed and cried out to God to help me through my valley, a little child that was probably no older than eight or ten years old walked up to me randomly and just said, you're going to do amazing things one day. And I've thought about that moment for a long time. Again, I just recently conquered my fear to stand up here and host just open services. My knees shaking, my voice cracking. I forget half the words sometimes. But I never understood what that little boy said. I know he was a very godly man at such a very young age. And again, here I am standing in front of OSC Eunice, preaching some message that God gave to me that I wasn't ready for. Because when I wrote this message, I was in a valley. I wasn't connected to God. I wasn't able to have a meaningful prayer at night. I wasn't able to read scripture I would start a devotional and I'd stop it. I'd watch Netflix instead. I reached out to a few people, but I wasn't willing to make a change until God hit me with the whole message, which in return opened my eyes to really show me how God works mightily in our lives and how he will change what you think is right to what he says is right. Amen. The same God that's on the mountaintops is the same God in the valley. We just get to know him a lot more intimately in the valley. So don't stay in the valley struggling, but become free of the thicket of the valley. My message is not very long, I will be honest with you. I didn't feel as if I needed to make a long message. But what I want to do is I want to pray. And at the end of the prayer, I want to offer anybody that wants out of the valley. As long as your heart is right, it's as easy as A, B, C, A, admit, B, believe, and C, confess. It's very simple. But I want to pray over each and every single one of you first. And if you are going to the valley, I promise you, there's a bigger picture. There's a reason why you're going through the valley. And as long as you dig your heels in and connect to God, he will show you. Let's pray. 
Father, I pray that your spirit would draw people close to you and just draw them in like never before. I pray especially for those who are hurting right now. I ask God that you would be present in a way that only you can. That you would offer a supernatural peace that just moves over their heart like they've never felt before. It just goes beyond our human ability to even understand or to explain it. But you would guard our hearts and our minds and our souls. God, I pray that those who are desperate, those who feel alone, those who are afraid, those who are facing financial stress, physical battles and sickness, or anywhere else, God, that the power of your spirit, you would reveal your presence to us. God, in your presence, we find hope. We find healing. We find forgiveness. We find grace and we find truth. God, that we can just find a heavenly peace to lift us out of our valleys where we're struggling. As we keep praying this morning, if you find yourself in a valley right now, you need God's help to get you out and if you want to know what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus with nobody looking around just please raise your hand I see you I see you I see you there's no magical prayer but as a whole I want the entire church to please pray this with me God forgive me for all my sins Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you, God, for allowing me to have new life with you. In Jesus' name we pray.